Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome along to this episode of the DNF1 podcast. I'm your host Adam Burns and joining with me is my co-host Courtney Pine. In this episode we'll be discussing the fallout and reviewing the first test in Barcelona and its key talking points. Which teams have got it right, which teams have work to do and what is up with that dual axis steering system. All this and more on the DNF1 podcast. So hello there and welcome to the next episode of the DNF1 podcast. I mean calls for celebration... We've not been cancelled. <laughs> no Rosberg in these flames. Yes. <laughs> so, with that in mind, uh, my name is Adam Burns. For those of you who have not tuned into our debut episode, and just as a quick note, thank you very much for the support that, and love that you've shown us already. We really appreciate it, and we're hoping that we're going to be producing more great content for you as the weeks go on by. My co-host Courtney Pine is with us. Courtney, thank you once again for joining in the madness. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. So, just bringing it right around, as the intro suggested, we are going to be talking about the first test that took place in Barcelona last week. We're going to be talking about the teams that have got it right so far, the teams that look like they've got some work to do, and we're also going to be talking about a few new little innovations that some teams have brought out. One you might have been familiar with, but also, (laughs) as Courtney's making steering motions in the background, he seems to have pretty much got the uh, hang of the new uh, (laughs) DAS system, but we'll come... Onto that in due course. So, first of all, Courtney, have you been following much of the first test? What I have, course? and as a Mercedes fan, I am uh, taking um, a cautious optimism stance on the first test in Barcelona. Cautious optimism. Cautious Ooh. optimism. I think you'd be a bit more confident than that. You should work for their PR team. That's exactly <laughs> what they've been doing. They've literally been reading off the old scripts, but this time they can't categorically deny that they're not the fastest because they know they are. But this time they have to say, well, you know... The teams are having to display their true pace. You know, we can't decide the pecking order. That old mumbo jumbo. Um, you know, straight from the old hymn sheet on how to come across as um, 
what's the word? Not too cocky, but at the same time knowing that you have an advantage over your rivals at the moment. They're, they're being humble. Humble. That's the way humble. to go. Humble. Like Anthony Joshua, humble. Can I, can, <laughs> can I just give my opinion on the matter when it comes to Mercedes? Yeah, by all um, means. The reason why I'm cautiously optimistic is that if the um, more hardcore fans aren't aware, there's quite a lot of talk of Ferrari being quite dominant at this point last season after the first test. And look how it turned out in Melbourne. It was a complete turnaround. And you, and you, and you never know. You never know. Like the, the pace with that Ferrari engine in particular hasn't gone anywhere. Well, one thing I would like to say on that note is that I'm so glad that we decided to delay doing this podcast for a year because we were talking about this and much like the professionals that all gave their two cents on the analysis of testing last season, noticed that Ferrari were hands down faster than everyone Half else. Half a second faster yeah. lap, they were saying. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and then as soon as the first race came in Melbourne, they were nowhere. So in a way, looks like we've, our credibility has not gone quite yet. We need to uh, obviously make sure we can maintain that as we go on, but we'll see. So... On the subject of Mercedes, first test probably couldn't have gone any better. They looked very, very strong. Long run pace looked very, very yep. good. As I should point out, those of you that aren't familiar, the pad is out. The, the pad is well and truly out. And, I, and pad, I've got to say, they are, there is an impressive amount of writing going on. The pad is very much been violated mm. this week uh, with notes and scribbles and stuff that I've wanted to include in this podcast for you, lucky lot. So please do bear with us as we, uh, as I'd like to divulge in my many notes. It's okay, Ted. You, you, you do you, Ted. <laughs> well, Ted can have his notebook. I'm going to have my pad. Adam's pad, I think. Adam's Adam's pad. It's, it sounds like you're in. Oh, what's what's, what's that show? Was on MTV about cribs? What MTV cribs? That's it. Come on, come. Welcome to my pad. It's it's not an, it's not a luxurious apartment. It's just. Uh... I, might, I might lead with that. I'm just going to say welcome to my pad. <laughs> yeah, let's do that then. Welcome to my pad, ladies and gentlemen. I've got plenty of notes for all of you, lost you lucky lot. So let's dive in straight into it. So Mercedes, let's do this. Yep. First team looked very very strong. Completed 494 laps over the course of the week. It's that kind of notes. More than anybody else. Um, and they also had the two fastest laps of the test so far. The only two guys in sub-117. Uh, Valtteri Bottas in the fastest time, 115.7. Lewis Hamilton... The headline maker. Oh, the headline maker, headline yeah. Maker. And Lewis Hamilton doing a 1 minute 16.5, second fastest overall. Both set on the C5 tyre, which, for those of you that are unfamiliar, they have five testing compounds, which I'm not going to go through all of them. One being the hardest... Five being the softest and best performance over one lap, and that's what Mercedes set their times on. I have quite a um, a good analogy to describe tyres. Oh yeah, and the lengths that they can go to, but it's a little bit. It's a little bit. Um, well, you've kind of brought it up now. So it's a little like, bit. It's a. It's a little bit. You know. Is it age appropriate? No. No. All right. We're going to leave that. Put that one in the bin for now. You can tell me about that later. Yeah, because you know what? The first couple of episodes have gone well, and I don't really fancy because we're, we're threatening to get ourselves cancelled. Yeah. Already, so I, let's, I, let's keep I, it clean I think today. you were very much on the line with a few of your comments in the last. Episode. <laughs> I was dancing an alarm, wasn't I? <laughs> Tap dancing. I, I, I didn't get any sort of like uh, warning email or anything or any correspondence to suggest that we were on thin ice, but I kind of got the vibe that we were pushing it. In some regards, but we'll persevere. That's kind there of there. You go. Well, you just you just have to keep dancing with the line. Alex. That's it. We're on the line, just not quite over it yet. So yeah. So moving along, Lewis Hamilton as well did the most laps of anyone in the test. Two hundred seventy-three laps, an absolute mammoth effort, and that vegan diet of his paying off very, very well. Clearly not showing any signs of fatigue so no far. No mix sweats. No mix sweats <laughs> at all from Lewis. That's what we. Uh, yeah, I guess that's what we like to see in here. Yeah, generally. <laughs> 
Um, but you know, it was a great effort from Mercedes. The the engine reliability looked relatively okay. There was that one issue where Bottas had the electrical issue on day two, which it wasn't a massive problem for them, but they did have to change the engine, which they did make the point. But it was more precautionary to mm. sort of diagnose, as is the norm in testing with these things. Um, also important to note on the reliability front, Mercedes actually, uh, Mercedes-powered teams did more laps than the Ferrari-powered teams. So it was about 1,189 to 1,094 in Mercedes' favour. Almost 100 laps more, which is quite a tell. Your stats blow my mind, Adam. Oh, you ain't even seen half of it yet. I've got like 18 <laughs> pages of this stuff, so you've got plenty You're more to go. You're just in base form at the moment, I'm halfway Adam. through. <laughs> I'm going to reach <laughs> Ultra Instinct by the end of this. All you Dragon Ball fans out there, I am literally... Going Super Saiyan, like <laughs> skipping through straight to Ultra Instinct. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to look like Freezer with a fucking shocked face. Fudging. <laughs> Do some editing. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you that have seen the uh, Japanese original dub of Dragon Ball will recognise the Freezer laugh. Courtney does a brilliant impression of Freezer. We laugh. are on a serious tangent right now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Mercedes, yeah, looked very impressive over the long runs. Looked very, very consistent. I think Lewis Hamilton, over, I think he did on the last day, he was doing like a 30 lap stint. They were doing yeah. a race stint, and his last stint, he did about 30 laps or so. They normally run well at Barcelona, though. Yeah, they do, they do. Yeah. And his average times were around about the 121s throughout the whole stint. And to put that into context, when you were seeing uh, long stints from Ferrari and Red Bull, they were sort of dithering around the 121 to 122s and dropping off a bit, was Mercedes in Lewis's hands was incredible. I mean, he literally has the most amazing ability to make old tyres as seem as fast as they are when they put them on brand new. It's almost as if it's like the Benjamin Button of tyres and they go in reverse. I remember something that he said, I think it was uh, Abu Dhabi in uh, 2016. He said, I'm going to ride it like I stole it. Yeah, like that, that's his, that's his, that's his well, attitude. I mean, I mean, he's won six world championships, so it's obviously a good mantra to have, to be honest, but no, fair play to him. And yeah, and, and Mercedes have literally been the talk of the paddock this week, as well as their impressive pace. Of course, everyone's going to be playing it down, but they do look far and above the team to beat. And I think that kind of brings it on to this this little innovation. If you don't mind, I will try my best. Yeah, I, I, know, you're, I know you're doing the motion now, I can see. I just want to borrow your ears for a bit listeners and just talk a little bit about this new innovation that you may have heard about it's, it's been very very well reported i remember seeing someone reading it uh, uh, on the in the metro uh, mm. on the train on, on the way to work and it was just in a small little area as most of the formula one articles are not mainstream just yet but it's amazing how something from testing like an innovation like this can actually make mainstream news in yeah. certain regards when it has nothing well in a way it will have something to do with the season but it's not really the season hasn't started yet, so we're already talking about it. So I'm going to talk a bit more about this. So for those of you that are unfamiliar, Mercedes have introduced a new uh, piece of kit, new system known as dual axis steering or DAS. Yes. Now, DAS, uh, in a nutshell, the whole purpose of it and what it's doing is it's affecting the toe angle of the front tyres. Now, toe, T-O-E, kind of like the ones on your feet, not toe, T-O-W. Now, what this does is... When Lewis Hamilton or Valtteri Bottas is pulling the steering wheel towards himself, only by a few millimetres, not like pulling it off, as we've seen on some memes, and the wheel comes off and like, oh God, they're Nothing's getting off. pulled off in this podcast, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> as as we've said, Lewis is pulling the steering wheel 
closer towards himself. And then when he does that, the angle or the toe of the tyres sort of collapse in on themselves a little bit, so they straighten up. Now, the reason why that's significant is because Formula One teams deliberately set up their cars or balance them out so that the toe angle of the tyres is facing outwards, i.e. the tyres are facing away from the car, only by about one or two degrees. So it's not like they're 90 degree angle and it's like, jump because then it just flip and it do all sorts of backflip. Yeah, it'd be hilarious. Thankfully, you know, that's not really an issue. But they sort of come out a bit. And the reason why they do is because, mainly because under braking, um, a car so much load going through the front tyres under braking is that the tyre angle almost collapses in on itself a bit. And the reason that's significant is because if the tyres were straight on in a straight line and then they collapsed in on themselves, it would cause all sorts of funny feelings in the car, the vibrations, the sort of static that goes on. It would be really uncomfortable for the driver to handle and the car would be very unstable. The tight rear end, we were talking about last week, would get very loose and all over the place and that would be spinning around more than Sebastian Vettel has ever done. (laughs) He would not enjoy that. So it's important to have the toe facing out. Now what Lewis does, when he pulls the steering wheel, it's moving the toe angle in so the tyres are straight dead on when he's going down the back straight. What this does is it creates an aerodynamic effect which allows the car to be more streamlined, less downforce and drag is being applied, and as a result, as I just mentioned, it reduces the drag coefficient. And basically, listeners, the drag coefficient is the air resistance that's pushing back against the Formula 1 car as it's trying to go down a back straight at 200 miles an hour. And with more of the aero bits that are more exposed and more extreme these concepts get, it increases the amount of drag because of the amount of downforce that's being applied. These tyres reduce that angle, reduces the downforce and the drag, and the car is able to go faster. In addition to this, because the angle of the tyres in the straights are now straight and dead on, it means that there's less contact patch that's occurring with the top, with the front tyres, meaning it's generating less friction, which in turn, less heat. Now, the reason why that's significant, you might ask, is because that allows the tyres to not be worn as much or at a lower rate, which preserves the tyre life, which allows them to run longer stints and at the same pace. Now, why is that significant, you might ask? Because in Formula 1 these days, for those of you that are fairly familiar with it, will know that tyre wear is very key. You preserve your tyres longer, you can run longer strategies, more flexibility, i.e. it's the difference between winning a world championship and not winning a world championship, as Mercedes have proven over the years to be so good at. Yeah. Now, big question around the DAS. Can, it, I, can, it, I, can I just interrupt very quickly? There's something I need to I do. I think you would before the rest of them will. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Well done. I think I, I think you're ready for a career in this tech lark, Adam. That well, this was... isn't even the half of it. I've still got four more pages. No, I'm joking. That was, <laughs> that was truly impressive. You know what? I couldn't have done that, so fair play to you, mate. Now, why, I just want to touch back on this quickly. So, mm-hmm. just to, I'm going to be a bit quicker with this, because I'm familiar. Obviously, we have a time that we want to meet with this. We don't want to be here all night. I'm sure you guys don't want to listen to me ramble on about this all night. For those of you that are still awake. You never know. <laughs> some people might be listening to their morning commute so they might not be in the mood for that sort of thing but anyway I digress <laughs> so Mercedes have also mentioned that that the obviously the range in which they can use this and the possibilities are almost endless in a way if the drivers are comfortable enough with this they can apply this to different circuits so for example a low drag circuit like Monza which has a lot of high speed corners that don't require much downforce the drivers can use this DAS system to allow them to go through the corners at a faster rate. Monza and, and Spa, that would be exactly. very effective. Spa will be the killer because yeah. that, you'll see them pushing the steering wheel in and out because you've got the fast section in sector one, obviously after Eau Rouge and down um, the Kemmel Strait. You've also got 
um, the, the, you know, the, the long final sector three, but you've also got the tight and twisty sector two. Now, with Mercedes, obviously, with their straight light speed deficit to Ferrari, this is a way of addressing that issue yeah. to some degree. It's not a massive amount of speed, but it all those small margins, put them all together, those are what make the champions well. So as Barra and Monza last season. It was it was very apparent that Mercedes are always catching Ferrari on the corners. Exactly. And then they just they, because and of the ultimately, despite their advantage in race pace that they had and probably will do again this year, mm. it's ultimately what won Charles Leclerc the race. The it fact was. that Ferrari was so strong. And a little, little, and a little bit of a, a little bit of a multi race craft, but well, I won't I won't uh, I won't be salty about it. It's all a bit subjective. I thought it was yeah. on the borderline, but you know, those that's we all we went through that before. We don't wanna don't yeah. want to turn them all off here. That, so that was that was so 2019. <laughs> <laughs> so DAS, you're asking, is it legal? Now a lot of teams have talked about this, and James Allison and Lewis Hamilton they had a little press conference on the uh, the afternoon this was announced to talk about this, and James Allison explicitly said that the FIA have been aware of this for some time with Mercedes, and in some ways, not within the rules, have been able to sort of work with them and collaborate with them on this project right. to make yeah. sure that they're not strewing away. <laughs> from uh, this being illegal. Now, from what I understand on the system, because the load and the steering import is all being embedded by the driver and it's not affecting the suspension too much, it should be considered legal. And Dr. Helmut Marco at Red Bull and a few people at Ferrari have obviously, well, they all try to protest this because this is quite a complex system. And Dr. Helmut Marco mentioned the ride height issues. Now, Formula One cars normally have systems in place to adjust the ride height of the car under braking so that the car gets sucked down to the ground so it's as close as possible to generate maximum downforce, which in turn gives them better cornering speeds and better aero performance. So they already have those systems in place with their ride height. Normally with this DAS system, it lifts the ride height only just a bit because it allows them to have more performance on the straights. Because obviously the less downforce and drag you have on the straights, the more speed you're going to produce, which is what Ferrari have, but the problem is they're not very fast in the corners. I'm going to start calling you Miss Edwards from now on. For those of you who don't know, Miss Edwards was one of our old science teachers who used to go very, very, very in-depth with science, probably did a much better job of it um, than I'm doing, but uh, I'm obviously no, doing my best. No, no, I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm going to give it to well, you. We're picking a niche well. that obviously myself, yourself, and some of most of our listeners, I'd like to think, are actually enjoy. Um, <laughs> hopefully, I haven't got one of those voices that put people to sleep. If you're having difficulties trying to sleep, put this on; it might work. No, you've you've been getting a lot of um, good feedback about Cure, your curing, radio voice. So curing I've, insomnia I've, since uh, no, 2020. I've got, I've, I've, I've got to say, Adam, I've, I've uh, come across one or two admirers of your radio voice, so continue. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll also get on a little shameless plug about that later on. I won't bring that too like, too soon uh, to say what Courtney's talking about. But So that's you know so that's that. So I don't think it's going to be considered illegal. Now, is it a game changer? Well, uh, as Ted Kravitz put it, it could well be a game changer we don't really know it could be worth a few temps in qualifying that could be the difference between winning a race and losing a race um the problem is this new innovation has already been banned or outlawed for 2021 so ross Braun has already said this new innovation and similar innovations like this will not be allowed in 2021 yeah, right. and the problem with that is if you're a team and you've just come out in testing and seen mercedes introduce this and you're thinking wow like this is amazing. We need to get this on our car. This is good. This is massive. The problem is, is that uh, Otmar Safnar at Racing Point and Matti Bonotto at Ferrari have already alluded to the fact that this new system 
to, to understand it properly, to understand how you can incorporate it into your cars and to get it working properly could take half a season. Yep. Now bear in mind that if these um, this system's not going to be introduced until 2021, unless it offers a massive benefit, which we may still not know, and Mercedes may not show us the true value of it um, until later on in the season, it may get to a point where the teams just have to say, I'm sorry, we just can't do it because it's not feasible It's not. It would have been. It would have been. If you're, if you're talking about second half of the season, then, as you said, they can't use it in 2021 then you know it's not really worth it is it yeah absolutely so it's a big head scratcher for the teams that obviously have learned this for the first time and if this does prove to be as big of innovation as some people are suggesting it could be then I'd just like to take this opportunity to say congratulations, Lewis Hamilton, for equaling Michael Schumacher's seven don't world championships that. already. Don't say that. Don't, don't. You be no. a donor. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> no, we should be fair. Valtteri Bottas has shown a lot of good pace at times. If he I know, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. And no, I'm not. We're doing the opposite to what Mercedes do. Cautious play it down. optimism. Okay. <laughs> so, in a nutshell, DAS. In, Changing the toe angle to suit the Mercedes in the straights and then obviously in the corners depending on where they are on the track. Now, from Mercedes, we are, the brilliance of Mercedes have been in this first test. Um, I think more of the same. I think looking onto the next test for them, would you not say the same, Courtney, for them? Honestly, I'm, I'm just sticking with the cautious optimism. I mean, we spoke about it in the last episode. My concern was the performance of the engine and we're not going to have a good idea what the raw power of the the engines are until Melbourne. So, if the car doesn't have any major problems, then I will continue with the cautious optimism. It won't will not be until Q three in Melbourne that I'll be well sort of being given a good yeah, indication no. of where they'll be yeah. this season. And you're absolutely right. And I think James Allison alluded on this as well. There was another video of him talking about this, which I really really enjoy these videos where James Allison walks around the Mercedes cars and he gives us a little bit of a technical analysis of what's done. And he did one for 2020 where, in a nutshell, he talked about the issues with the engine cooling and reliability yeah. that they had. And obviously they had to compromise on performance in certain ways. But they've been managed. They've managed to find, or the super geniuses at Mercedes have managed to find ways to add some more horses by into this engine by um, horsepower, I suggest. Not actual horses. I mean, that would be a bit difficult and obviously not very... There'll be, there'll be a few ethical issues. Yeah, I'd have uh, Peter and WWF and all them lot knocking on my door. By the way, if you feel, please do sponsor those charities. If we're going to endorse anything, we endorse good causes. There, there we go. Instead of making crude remarks about the royal family. Well, that was you. I don't remember. I mean, I didn't write that in my notes, but, you know, if you're going to wing it and uh, spitball and improvise, you know, then go for it. But yeah, yes, James Allison was talking about that with the engine, move stuff around, and also clever innovation on the rear suspension, which I did touch on in the first episode. For those of you that haven't seen it, do check that out. Um, that's a great technical analysis on the uh, launches of the new cars. Yep. But with this rear suspension, um, what's going to be a key factor for it is they had issues with um, moving parts, and they've amended the rear suspension in such a way, to cut a long story short, that it does add weight to it, the upside of it is generate a huge amount of downforce. Now, in conjunction with the DAS, this extra weight on the rear suspension is going to cause them to be a bit slow on the straights, but the reward in the corners is going to be massive. And we've already seen in the slow corners, Mercedes look very, very quick. Arguably, only Red Bull are on their level, if not a little bit better. But we, we both know Red Bull has always been very good with that. So to see Mercedes in that ballpark and this new innovations, I'm excited to see how high they can really... It's almost if they smash the ceiling and rebuild the house, like it's a bigger house, and they keep doing it again and again and again. Almost to the point where you look at their old car, and they make it sound like, this is rubbish by comparison. Like, how do they do this? It's just... 
they've yeah. kept the main people in that team for how many years now? Oh, since and, the Braun days, oh, well over a decade, yeah. yeah. So that and the Honda you, as well. Before that's about fifteen years. Somebody's and if you don't mind me jumping a little bit, we can always go back. And that has always been the problem with Ferrari. Mm. There's so much pressure on them. As I said in the last episode, they're almost a national institution. So when when performances aren't going well, they make big personnel changes, and it's been happening, you know, quite a lot. And that's why really they need to be sticking with the team, you know, Benotto and the team that he has because. I feel that they could catch up if they stick with the people that they have. Yeah, I mean, they're saying the right things in certain regards, but there does seem to be a lot of pressure, and it does seem that some people in that camp don't seem to be too happy about the performance of the SF1000 at the moment. And uh, I think that brings us nicely to a team, a former Mercedes that's having such a good first test, by contrast to a team not doing so well in Ferrari. Now, Ferrari in the first test completed 354 laps, which doesn't sound too bad, but overall that was the eighth most of anyone. So that's not a good sign. Only Williams and Haas did less laps than Ferrari. Um, Sebastian Vettel was 14th fastest in the first test with a 118.1 on the C4 tyres. So that's the second softest compound. And Charles Leclerc did a 1 minute 18.2 on the C3. So that was the median tyres. Really the go-to tyre to tell who's performing what. But we should probably stress... For those of you that aren't familiar with testing, that there's loads of caveats to performance, so i.e., so weather conditions, temperatures, uh, the amount of fuel load going on the car, the engine power, and Ferrari. We should touch on with this one. It's been very well documented in this test, unlike last season, that Ferrari have turned the engines down. They're not running to maximum performance. I mean, on day two, they were 15, what, 15 kilometers an hour down on the straight, or 15? Yeah. Yeah. And then, the, and then day three, when Sebastian Vettel was doing his longer runs, he was fastest in the speed traps. But that's why that I'm was, not buying it. I'm not, I'm that not was buying probably, it. I'm not, that they're, was they're, most, definitely, they're definitely sandbagging. But that was most likely down to him running a lower drag concept yeah. low, and lower downforce concept on the day. So to sort of because they had the same, he had the same times even though he was running two different versions of setups. And funny you should mention setup. Charles Leclerc mentioned himself that with the setups, uh, the Ferrari SF1000 has a much more wider window for setups, and that's good because. Him himself and Vettel have very contrasting driving styles. And I think Ferrari, one of their problems last year, and one problem Leclerc had until the second half of the season, he just wasn't really able to get on top of a car in terms of balance. He found it was very different to how he felt in the Alfa Romeo, and it did take him some time before he got on top of it, and then hence that culminated in his wins in Spa, in Monza, obviously Sebastian Vettel winning in Singapore, and the Ferrari looked much better as a package towards the end of the season. In this first test... They have struggled. Um, I mean, Leclerc replaced Vettel on Wednesday because he wasn't feeling well. Took over for one and a half days until Vettel took over. Um, there was the engine issue for Vettel on the third day. They said the engine had to be changed and it was being analysed at Maranello for answers to what was causing it. And I did a bit of digging earlier on Twitter to see some sources. And according to motorsport.com's Italian website, they claimed that the fault was actually traced to a non-structural problem with the lubrication system. So it's not a cause for concern and they'll work to correct it already. So that is some good news for Ferrari that it's not a major reliability issue because they did have some heating and cooling issues in that engine last season, which ultimately cost them some results, most notably Charles Leclerc's potential win in Bahrain last season. So moving on that, and, and also that, that pace issue for Ferrari with the lower engine running, uh, that was also confirmed by a Mercedes press release where they were monitoring that. So they were able themselves to confirm that Ferrari were not really running at the pace that they should be. 
So, but there's something we must stress. So there is some good news for Ferrari because it doesn't look all doom and gloom for him. Now, two things on this. Italian-based media have been reporting this week that Ferrari will test a new front wing and a new rear wing and an engine cover as part of their overall Australian Grand Prix package um, in the second test. Now, we haven't got official confirmation of this. This is just rumours coming from the Italian media, although with Ferrari news, these guys tend to be on the ball more than anyone else with this one. A new rear suspension is possible as well. This is from their press release, but... It's more to address the fault that caused Kevin Magnussen's accident in the Huss on day three where he had a puncture. It was a wheel classic failure that related to the rear suspension. So it's more to address that concern so it doesn't happen on the Ferraris because as you know, some of you hardcore fans, that some of the top teams have uh, B-spec teams and C-spec team partner teams like Ferrari have with Huss and Alfa Romeo and there's a lot of links with listed and non-listed parts. Yeah, well, if you have a look at the... uh... The racing point this season. Well, it's yeah, it, it's quite similar, but then they can use Ferrari 2020 parts. It's similar yeah. to Racing Point for Mercedes yeah. and the Alfa Turi with Red Bull, which we will get on them in due course. So, moving on with Ferrari. So, one thing I did want to mention, actually, not to, to go on too much, but one caveat for Ferrari, not just so much at the sandbagging, their long-run pace. Now, I was looking online earlier as well, and I saw an interesting article by Mark Hughes, who works with the race, brand new podcasts and them, basically oh, yeah, form, most, yeah, yeah. formerly Autosport or the big Yeah, why, why, why the change? Why the change the name? Um, I, well, I haven't changed the name of the brand. It's Autosport still exists, but some of their leading presenters have moved over. Oh, I see, okay. So kind of what we'll be doing when we get sick of this and someone offers us more money. <laughs> you heard it here first. It'll, it'll <laughs> or we, or we get cancelled or we have to be rebranded to save face, whichever it'll one take, comes it'll first. Take, it'll take a seven-figure... Uh, Pay we'll have to, to introduce a poll on the uh, Instagram page, which we will talk about. We have a social media page, everybody. We've done it. Are you proud Actually, of me? Are yeah, you proud of me? Uh, well, proud is strong. I think more about, uh, like... Do you think I've come a long way? I think you've come away. <laughs> I think you've been away and you've come back around. I've then. had stuff to sort out. Right. We're not <laughs> going to talk about that stuff. We're going to talk about the social media page in, in, in the second part. <laughs> Go on. Uh, I feel like that was pre-arranged. No, no, no. I might edit that out. (laughs) You you, you can ask, I really didn't. Anyway. Uh, uh, Yeah. So with Ferrari, uh, Mark Hughes mentioned it's a really good article. I definitely recommend you to look at it on therace.com. I know they haven't asked us to endorse it, but by all means, go look at this. Um, So Ferrari may have better long run pace than we first thought. Now, we know Ferrari have struggled and it looked like a car that was eating up its tyres on the shorter five lap runs. But Sebastian Vettel on Friday morning did a 16-lap stint to simulate the races um, that Hamilton and Verstappen did. This was like the opening stint of their races. Now, when they compared all the times and where they all finished up, Sebastian Vettel was actually one second off of Lewis Hamilton and a further nine seconds ahead of Max Verstappen. Now, we should obviously take a step back to mention some potential caveats to this. For example, Friday mornings running, the track seemed to be in better shape for running. So obviously there was going to be better times. We also don't know... Uh, what fuel he was running. Yeah. Although normally <clears throat> on these sorts of runs, you usually go for about 25 kilos of fuel in this opening stint. And it wouldn't really make sense for Vettel, who was usually averaging around the 118s on shorter runs with that fuel load, to compare to the 1 minute 21, 1 minute 22s he was doing with fuel fuel. So we can say it's a little bit more representative of race fuel when he was running around 100 or so kilos of fuel, which is usually around about the permitted limit that the cars can fill up to for the race. So there is encouraging signs for Ferrari, despite those caveats, compared to the Red Bulls and the Mercedes, that they are in and around that ballpark. 
not necessarily faster. They they still they look like they've still got some way to go between the three of them, but it's not as bad as say them currently sitting in the timesheets two point four seconds not off the pace, it. fighting not with the likes of Hudson Williams. To be honest, though, mate, that's why I've been a bit quiet on the matter because you, yeah. you're, you know you're you're giving great information, but I I'm not I'm not buying it because for me this seems like a reverse of last season. And that's why, when I say about cautious optimism about Mercedes, that's what exactly what I'm talking about. I really do believe it could be a reverse of last season. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I, th- I think that's the smart money. I know what we said. We could say this and then with egg on our face. Well, not you, me. With egg on our face. Over. One of us will. Let's just go. <laughs> well, we're kind of going at a different approach. I'm not <laughs> suggesting... I mean, I'm looking at what I've got there in the notes and what I've seen. Yeah. And I would say that Ferrari at the moment definitely look third best and with catching up to do. Red Bull have made a big step forward, which we'll get onto a little bit. Mercedes have somehow made even more strides and almost reinvented the wheel again, literally, pun intended. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see in the second test what Ferrari do, but there's a lot more to come from them. And if anyone, one of the teams that needs a real improvement is second test, they're definitely one of them as well. So we're going to touch on quickly on Red Bull as well. Now, don't worry, I haven't done as much research. Why, why not? Also... Aren't, they, aren't they important enough to you, Adam? Well... <laughs> They're not my favourite team. And yeah, they're not mine either, so it makes but sense. I don't have a team that I dislike. But to be fair, Red Bull were keep keeping their cards to their chest. And a lot of what we expected of them did come to fruition. They did 471 laps. It was the second most of anyone. Only yeah. Mercedes did more. Max Verstappen did a massive 254 laps. Only Lewis Hamilton did more laps. So who knows? Maybe Max is taking a bit more of a vegan diet. You know? Less yeah, meat sweats? No. no? Never know. Yeah, we've all got to promote that. It's all good. Saving the planet and all that. You know, the times Max Verstappen was ninth fastest, 1 minute 17.5 on the C3 tyres. Alexander Albon, his first real proper test in the Red Bull since he joined them halfway through last season. 13th fastest, 1 minute 17.9 on the C2, which was the second hardest. So, in a way, the performance, they're not too far apart. Alex Albon is in some regard living with Max, but Max does look more suited to this car, the RB16, than Alex does. The Red Bull, for lack of a better phrasing, easily looks the closest challenger to Mercedes, especially with Max Verstappen at the wheel. Yeah, yeah. I'll stick to what I said before um, in the last episode. I do feel that there's a good chance that Max Verstappen could win this world championship. The Red Bull looks very, very quick in the slow corners. Uh, the final sector it was very, very impressive. It looked fastest overall, and it looked like it had a lot more speed left in there to give. From what I'd seen on some of the highlights of testing, the cornering speeds it was taking compared to some of the others like Mercedes and Ferrari and a few others, it was some on another level. So as long as, obviously, no, there are no issues with the Honda power and Honda look like they've made some improvements to the engine as well, Mercedes could have a real fight on their hands with Red Bull, especially with Max Verstappen. We may get that long-awaited fight between Lewis, the old guard, the king of the grid against uh, the reigning champion against the young pretender in Max Verstappen this could be the time where the lion meets Mr. Uh, Team LH see which one yeah, comes out well, on top it's, 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 it's been a long time coming hasn't it I mean it's, well there's been kind of snippets haven't there throughout the last season or so but it's, it, it comes down to the Honda engine doesn't it if, if, if they've sorted out the Honda engine and they were showing signs of that last season then there's no reason why we can't be seeing this happen. yeah you're absolutely right I yeah. mean and it's going to be interesting for uh, Lewis Hamilton if he's driving along with Max Verstappen following close behind him. He's going to have that beaver's mouth all in his rear wing. <laughs> um, funny, funny point, actually. And, this, and I did look at this the other day because I was thinking about this when I was uploading the last episode. And I think someone on Twitter actually mentioned that for those of you that watch SpongeBob SquarePants, um, 
the actual red ball looks like Patrick's face when it sees Spongebob and he's smiling, Patrick Starfish. That's very specific. It is very <laughs> specific, but as soon as you hear that and you look at a photo of it, I, t- I kid you not, you do not unsee it. So I'm okay. almost convinced now. Okay, can you do me a favour and pull that up on the YouTube video? <laughs> What's what, Patrick? Yeah, yeah, no. Can, actually, can you please? No, because I'm intrigued point, yeah. to see it myself. I think for, as we're going to get on to later on in this episode, I think some of you... Uh, that will be watching this on YouTube as well. Uh, and just as a little shameless plug, our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn Alexa, YouTube as well. And it will also be on Google Podcasts soon. There's no escaping us. So no escaping us. We are everywhere now. We're, we're there. We're bleeping everywhere. everywhere. DNF. <laughs> One. <laughs> there you go. Oh, there you, you were so... Do you want another take of that? <laughs> nah, nah, we'll, we'll leave that one in, we'll leave that. It's alright, it's a solid six. So, yeah, so, I mean, both drivers at Red Bull, they look pretty happy with the car so far. They're suggesting the car's made a step in a good direction. Um, speaking of direction, Alex Albon, amazing, fi- well, achieved the amazing figure, I should say, of keeping the car on the road, which is a lesson I can say for his t- former predecessor, Pierre Gasly, who struggled in the Red Bull and he had a little bit of an accident in their last season but Alex Albon did very well looked very comfortable and he managed to keep it on the road so big win for him and uh, be looking forward to seeing more of Red Bull as the season goes on it's important to mention how they outdeveloped their rivals in the season and obviously with that in mind if their car's already strong that's because they struggled with the front end last season but they seem to have got that right they could be a real threat like as the season goes on hopefully in Max's case if he does challenge for the championship that he doesn't have to do it on the back of Mercedes winning the first eight or nine races on, in a row and putting the championship out of reach because nobody wants to see that. Maybe Mercedes I, fans might, but... Very, very open-minded about this season. Very, very open-minded. I, the headlines are suggesting that Mercedes are miles ahead and I'm, I'm really not convinced. Not at all. We, as I said earlier on, we won't know until Melbourne. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that the top three teams are going to be very close. Well, I mean, I, I, hopefully it will be. As we said, we've still got to see more from Ferrari. They have a lot more to show. Mercedes, no one's showing their true pace, not even them. I mean, those are the masters of sandbagging. I remember seeing a meme once saying, all the sand from the desert in the Bahrain Grand Prix is basically Mercedes dropping off their sandbags <laughs> and emptying everything, leaving it out there. It's that bad. But um, there's plenty more to come from these teams. So I'm hoping that it all sort of pans out the way we want to as an audience because that's what we really want. We want a close championship. I mean, we obviously have our favourites. I know yeah. some people won't necessarily care who wins um, and we try to hide our impartiality. Obviously, we're doing a fantastic job of that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, um, I'm as biased as they come. I think we literally blew that one off the first... We were going to say, <laughs> before we started recording this and made this podcast, we were going to say, right, do we actually let everyone know which teams that we follow more closely, which teams we support? And I remember you saying to me, you said, well, you think it meant... I said, well... It could be, I mean, professionals try to be impartial with this, but we kind of, I wouldn't say we're very we, professional. I reckon we? we are with the uh, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher of Formula One. Yeah, we'll we, we have to work on the accents though, because I mean, <laughs> those guys are great. I mean, gotta love, I mean, especially when Gary Neville gets very high pitched and Jamie Carragher goes with his, it's box office TV that is. Chucking... is it, this is a box office podcast, Adam. Yeah, and we're not going to get, it, well, we haven't started charging people yet. Maybe if it gets good, we might do that in the future. So... When, we, when we have Coca-Cola as our advert. And... Oh, you had to do that. I, I, I did say to you we weren't going to endorse companies. <laughs> you, endorse charities is great, not that. Oh. Other soft drinks are available yeah. at your local shop. Just not in my fridge. Um, <laughs> so so uh, I think in that in mind, with that in mm-hmm. mind, sorry, uh, I think this is a good time to wrap this up for part one. So stay with us and we will join you for part two of the DNF1 podcast.
So welcome back for the second part of the DNF1 podcast. Thank you for rejoining us and not cancelling us already or unsubscribing. Thank you very much. Um, for those of you Eagle listeners that were probably wondering where was the music in the ad break, well, we can't use that anymore. And I knew this was going to happen because, well, it's not ours. So naughty us. And uh, But just for you guys, we're going to sing it. You fucking... Oh my God. Na, 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 na. Are you going to join in? No, I'm not joining into that. Well, I'm dead. <laughs> this is meant to be age explicit. <laughs> oh, great. You left me hanging. Yeah, you left well, me hanging. I thought you were going to... Oh. I thought you were going to sing something else, like Super Max, not sing the whole... <laughs> Uh, well, well, they're not swearing. They're actually no, not they're swearing. not swearing, and it neither would sound, you. Yeah. It just sounds That's like how they're it swearing. sounds. And you were singing the lyrics exactly in Dutch. <laughs> it wasn't swearing at all, and we do not condone any language that you may have thought that you heard, but actually wasn't the case. Yeah, facts. Exactly. So shame on you, listeners. That's your dirty <laughs> mind, not ours. So back to the podcast. Back to the podcast because we have that to finish tonight. Um, so yeah. So moving on to the next team, we've got McLaren. So McLaren did 423 laps. Fourth most, um, Carlos Sainz, good shout out to him, did 237 laps, third most of anyone in the field, so well done Carlos, all those laps around your own go-kart and track has obviously put you in good stead and got you ready for the season ahead. So Carlos Sainz himself was 12th fastest, 117.8 was his fastest time, set that on the C2, which is the second hardest compound, which is very impressive, um, and Lando Norris was only 20th fastest with a 118.4. Uh, and he set on the C3s, but he didn't really have much positive running. He did have a few issues, so obviously the second test, and it also depends on their programmes as well when they set it's these big times. Big season for Norris, though, isn't it? It's yeah. a big season. There's a lot of talent in that team at McLaren. Yeah. It's a big season for them, but they're still optimistic. The car seems to be performing well. Uh, Andrew Seda was said he's pretty happy with the overall progress made so far, but of course... We're seeing this in comparison to some of the other teams. And one thing I will mention is this midfield battle is looking pretty tasty. Yeah, I mean, like we, made, really we, we made predictions last week, didn't we? Well, and we I've got to yeah. be honest, I often it's already been thrown out, thrown out of the water, really. Well, it hasn't, it hasn't, because I still think the top three teams in that midfield battle are where that we said um, in McLaren, Reno, Racing Point. Not in that order necessarily, but we do believe that that is still going to be the three teams. Racing points surprise me for the right reasons. Yeah, and they will do, and we'll touch on them in just yeah. a moment as well. But it does seem that rather than having, I mean, we did mention three tiers. I still think in a way there will be. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. I'm still, yeah, I agree with that. The yeah. midfield battle is going to consist of. There aren't going to be any stragglers this season, thankfully. But there will be some over the course of the season that will outdevelop the others. And McLaren is definitely in that ballpark of those teams that are going to be leading the chase to the front three. Just looking through my notes on McLaren, they didn't really show much in overall terms of pace in 2019. And they haven't really shown their true pace in this test either. So I'm expecting plenty more to come from them. The midfield, I can say, McLaren especially, they look like they have closed the gap to the front three, which is exactly what we wanted. We didn't want to see a Formula One race where you have the top three teams getting away at the front, driving away into the distance, and then a minute later, uh, seventh place turns up. Yeah, and I mean... Like best of the rest. I don't know about you, but as a <clears throat> old romantic of the sport, I'd love to see both McLaren and Williams at least at least playing with the top three. 
That's what I'd love to yeah, see. Yeah, it's a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. and I feel like 2021 and beyond will be the best bet for that. Yeah. But they are making yeah. steps in the right direction, both of which, which, and we will touch on Williams as well, because I was very encouraged by their progress. So yeah, not too much to talk about McLaren. It's very quiet, but there was a lot of running, for, especially from Carlos Sainz. And it just, they're just going through the motions in their program. Sometimes in testing, when not many people are talking about you, and not for good or for bad reasons, sometimes that's the best yeah. thing what for happened, some of these teams. Well, last season, that worked on them very well. They had that going for them last season, and look where they ended up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Carlos Sainz and, and Norris, without the uh, reliability issues that Norris faced, were regulars finishing in the top five, sixth yep. or seventh place. When uh, one of the top cars would falter, most oftenly, unfortunately, it was Gasly and the Red Bull that would usually drop off. But um, yeah, no, McLaren look—they look good. No complaints. No, nothing to brag about. But sometimes that's usually the best testing program to have. Hopefully, more from them in the second week, as they will probably show more of their pace. Yeah. Moving on to Renault now. Now, we discussed the livery leak that came out on social media, and almost immediately when they were doing their shakedown and uh, preparing for testing, they donned their black livery that they showed off in the concept photos at the launch that had no car. I'm still not forgiving Renault for that. I, I, and I didn't Have even you written an angry letter? I'm thinking about it. I think you should. But I don't feel it would do it enough justice, so I might need someone that knows French to translate it for Cyril or Beatable. I've um, word, I know one or two, I've word. And you know someone, oh brilliant, well yeah. yeah, I mean, listeners, if you know someone that speaks French that's happy to translate my angry letter to Renault and is willing to go <laughs> all the way to the factory to post it because I'm too cheap to pay for the stamp, then uh, yeah, do uh, do uh, let us know. We have an Instagram page, which we'll talk about soon, so you'll be able to give my We're friends gonna all the details. plug it, aren't Oh, we? maliciously. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the gram, we're doing it for the gram, all for the clout. The clout. So, uh, yeah, so one Renault. So, obviously, we thought we had a bit of egg on our face with the livery. Turns out this black livery, as good as it looks, is only a testing livery. Which is a pity. It is a pity. Yeah. Um, but they're going to be donning the similar colours they had last year with the yellow front end and then black at the back with a bit of yellow in certain places. Which Boring! It's <laughs> <laughs> similar to the 2017 look, and I weren't really keen on that either. It kind of looks one of them old pencils you used to have in primary school. It does. Like, like, if, if, if it looks good, as you said you said in the last episode, if it, if it looks good, don't change it. Well, and I think it's the only black car on the grid it would have been. Uh, because Haas have changed their livery back. Alfa Tauri's gone with the white and blue one. Yeah. So, and everyone likes a black livery on a car. It just looks nicer. It looks faster, doesn't it? It looks faster, yeah. It it does. Was, I mean, I remember the old Arrows livery. Yeah. Years ago, back in the late 90s, we had Pedro Diniz driving the old Arrows. I'm not going to lie. That was one ugly-looking livery. Even though it was a black livery, it did not look right. But, but then um, on the flip then, side, yeah. in comes the F1 geek. Three, two, one. What about the old Lotus? Ooh. There you oh, go, yes. it is. More like it. I've got, oh, yeah. Adam, I've got, F, I've got Adam's F1 oh, glands going I'm there. I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm not going to... Yeah, what, I am... Why, 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 why do we have like semi-orgasms over F1 liveries? What, what's the problem? I don't know. You just It's like when you're a kid and you have posters of cars on your bedroom rather than when you get older or stuff like that. I don't know. Not to objectify <laughs> anyone or that sort of stuff. But that's, you know... It's, Teenage boys, you always have like your favourite car on there. Um, in my case, it was the Ferrari F. You never, you never, you never get your first Grand Prix winner, do you, Adam? No, you certainly don't. It's not quite. You never really feel prepared for it, but once you've done it, you you feel like you've become a man after that one. Oh, you know what? Do you know what? 
Can, can we can we please get back to? I'm, I'm, we're talking I'm about not, cars. We, yeah, you know what? No, no. We're no, talking we are, we're talking about cars, aren't we? Yeah, Mate, you need to calm down. I'm talking about cars. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, yeah, can we? Can we? So yes. We're, so so Renault. We're, we're talking about Renault. Renault. Yes. Renault. 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 There we go. There we go. There we go. Renault. Um, okay, so yeah, they did 380 laps, which was the sixth most. Um, both drivers, interestingly, did 190 laps each. Now, the interesting dynamic uh, with Esteban Ocon and Daniel Ricciardo is one of the battles I'm looking forward to seeing this season. It's quite funny to see them two doing very similar amounts of laps, almost exactly the same. And if you take away the differences in tyre compounds, their lap times were fairly similar, ultimate fastest laps. So Daniel Ricciardo was 10th fastest. Did a 1 minute 17.5 on the C3s, um, which is the medium tyre. Esteban Ocon was 4th fastest, but he did a 1 minute 17.1 on the C4s, which is the second softest. So usually the caveat between the tyres or the delta difference, if you like, um, is about half a second. So in retrospect, Daniel Ricciardo was slightly faster than Ocon, but about a couple of hundredths of a second. So literally nothing to call between them. That's, that, that's, that's good. Uh, that's good reason, that's, a, that's a very good omen for these yeah. two. I'm looking forward to this battle between them because these are two that's, guys... That's the one I'm looking forward to the yeah, most. Because these are two guys that we're talking about. That Daniel Ricciardo, at the peak of his powers at the moment, is a. we know he's a race winner. We know he's won great races. Yeah. He's driven in a big car before. And he needs to try and find a way to put himself in contention for another big seat. Of course, if that doesn't come from Renault in the future, we don't know. 2021... Um, somewhere away Renault still got a commitment Ferrari, longer term future know, you never know exactly I mean Sebastian Vettel whatever happens with his future could prove yeah. to be the domino as much as Daniel Ricciardo was when he joined Renault from Red Bull yeah. and ultimately cost his new teammate Esteban Ocon an opportunity to join that team so no love lost there even though they do seem quite amicable together and they're quite happy with their partnership We'll see when they were wheel to wheel on the first corner. And, yeah, yeah, Esteban Ocon and Ricardo are no strangers to colliding no. with their teammates. Just ask Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez, that one. But yeah, moving on with that. So Esteban Ocon looked pretty quick. It was his first test back uh, after a year out, although he had been doing some running in the old Mercedes W10. He looks relatively on par on pace with his teammate, as we've mentioned before. It doesn't look like he's been out of the car at all. Looked mm. pretty quick. He would have been the fastest other than the two Mercedes if it weren't for Kimi Raikkonen setting a slightly faster time on a softer compound on the first day of testing. Esteban Ocon also mentioned he was singing the praises of the new 2020 Renault. He was saying that it's a big step forward on their 2019 car, which was very heavily flawed. And it's the grippiest car he's ever felt and driven, which is quite a statement. Relatively speaking, that's probably compared to other 2019 cars he's felt. So Renault obviously made a step forward in that regard. And given he's driven Mercedes cars in the past, some very recent ones, that does that, that, suggest that's, a good That's opening. why obviously listeners wouldn't have seen, I pulled quite a face about that statement. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, I mean, there's always been the talk with these newer cars since 2017 about that record sort of falling. Last season, uh, a bit of a geeky stat, 14 out of the 21 races last season... Um, 14 of them have had lap records that were broken so with these cars improving at the rate that some of them have it's very very likely that we will see potentially all of the lap records fall I think there's a few in particular from some of the older years I've known Monza in 2004 Michael Schumacher's lap record still stands in the in that race from uh, the F2004 Ferrari um, and a few others in particular, but there's a very good chance. I mean, that one may not even fall. 
given that it's a low downforce circuit and that these cars with more downforce on them will slow them down and wait so that one might still stand but there is the possibility well that's it Lewis and Valtteri in the old with the DAS might be able to do something about that so we'll be keeping a close eye on them so moving on to a team that I think you and I have been wanting to talk about since the car has been launched the Racing Point yep Um, very very fably known this season in particular for basically driving what seems to be a very very close resemblance of the Mercedes W10 and it's been nicknamed amongst the paddock as the pink Mercedes, Mercedes. not gonna lie I don't mind a pink livery on a Mercedes but yeah. I never thought I'd see uh, something quite as striking as this um, looks good it looks does good. yeah no and, and it looks very quick yeah. I mean if it is a carbon copy of the Mercedes W10 which obviously we're not suggesting that it is but there were stories about obviously Racing Point using the Mercedes wind tunnels during their development and uh, someone spread a joke around that Mercedes accidentally left the scale model of their W10 in there that Racing Point decided to use. And I'll be having that, mate. <laughs> Put it in their pocket because it's probably small enough to fit in there and then, uh, yeah. See no evil. See you later. Just pop down the road to Racing Point. Look what I picked up, lads. <laughs> That's it, let's break this apart. That's his core hero. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, they said this for some while, and Otmar's uh, Zafna, um, and uh, I'm trying to think of his name now. I've lost my... Looking through my notes here, trying to find... Ah, here we go. Excuse me, listeners, and uh, faux pas on this one, but Andrew Green, technical chief officer. I could have told you that, Adam, I knew that. Oh, did you? <laughs> did see you jump in, though. You know, feel free to jump in at any time. Of course time. I did, Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I've suggested that, you know, since July last year, they did commit to this idea where they were going to take a risk and kind of go back to the drawing board, take the notes from the team that's produced arguably one of the most dominant, if not the most dominant Formula One car in recent times, if not all time, in the Mercedes W10, and basically look through the schematics and look through the designs, which they can do. Uh, There are technical partnerships where they can do, it's all legal. Uh, And then use that, not necessarily to copy the car, but develop their own design. I mean, we we talked about Haas in the past with their issues with in 2018 when they basically ran what looked like a carbon copy of the Ferrari 2017 car. And it was very, very quick from the get-go. It was four fastest in Melbourne. And in that race, they obviously had the problems with the pit stops, where the tyres kept falling off, which cost them potentially a podium let alone, you know, it was a huge haul of points that easily the best result it could have been. Mm. Um, and there was a lot of complaints from other teams about that. And people aren't necessarily complaining about Racing Point with this plan of running a very similar car to the W10 Mercedes. It's more of a... Not necessarily a grimace, because everyone's respectful, but it's more of one... It's one of those situations where you were moaning about Huss before... So why should we not give you the same treatment? Because your RP20 is very similar to a W10. Let's add an image. Well, you know you've got the, the, the two Spider-Men pointing at each other. Yes. One of them's pink. Yes. <laughs> or, the, or we could just... Oh, Spider-Gwen. <laughs> we, could, we could just have yeah, one of them with... W, that's going to be on the me thing. We have one with W10. You know what? If I, was, if I was any good at editing, I'd be right on that. Oh, well, we'll have to work on that. We'll have mm. to work on that. I'll go on a course or something. Definitely, yeah. But yeah, it looked very impressive. Long run pace looked pretty good. I think of the midfield runners, this is the car, I think, that's going to give the most trouble to the top three and more likely to battle a straggler from the top three at the moment looking like Ferrari for the moment rather than looking over their shoulders at the team behind them. But it's early days yet. As I said, they did 371 laps, which seems a lot, but it, it compared to the rest, it was only seventh 
in the list of overall. Um, Sergio Perez was sixth fastest with a 117.3 on the C3 medium tyres. Lance Stroll fifth fastest, the 117.338. So just about less than a tenth, less sorry, not less than a tenth, less than a hundred faster, but on the C4. So really, you add a half a second onto yeah. that because he was on slightly softer tyres. I mean, they've been very open about these similarities to the Mercedes W10. And we've talked about this already. In the wake of the 2021 regulations and the Aston Martin takeover coming into effect from 2021, it makes sense to take advantage of this. And I feel like when you've got listed and unlisted parts and come from teams and you can take certain amounts, they're not necessarily just copying this concept. They're taking the ideas that Mercedes have introduced with their car, taking advantage of their technical partnership with them. And I think, as I said, Andrew Green mentioned this already. They take the design, they take certain listed parts, apply that to the car, but there are certain stuff like the chassis in particular that's going to be in-house produced. And obviously certain areas, it's you know, including the monocoque and other things, you know, you have to develop that yourself on the aero side. But they're going to take ideas from this W10, apply it to their car, and they're going to try and run with it in their own way. They're not going to go the same path that Mercedes have gone with the W11. Of course not, they won't yeah. have the time to do that. But they would have already had plans based on this to draw up different ideas to try and make that car as good as it can for them. And when you've got a team like Racing Point that have had to deal with a lot of difficulties with logistics and getting parts to their new cars the last couple of years when they've had to struggle to survive financially and it's hindered their development, I don't blame them for going this approach. And, I, and I'm really glad it, from early signs it looks like it might be paying off for them. Because other teams have done it. I mean, Haas have done it with Ferrari. Yeah. Toro Rosso and now AlphaTauri, they've done it with Red Bull. And the AlphaTauri looks very similar to the RB15 in some regards as well. So it's almost like pot kettle. Or well, pot you, can't, you, can't, you can't blame these smaller teams really though, can you? No, absolutely. If, you, if, if, you, if you've got the tools available to you, then there's no harm in using them. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, absolutely right. Um, and as I said, following those years of turbulence, I think it's, it's a good idea for Racing Point to go down this road. The RP20 has been heralded by Andrew Green again as a Haas Mark II model approach as I said it's not taking too many parts from Mercedes and then will develop their own pieces in house and improve that car their own way so it's a good base see where they run with yeah. it I think there's a lot of good people at, at Racing Point for, and they've been very well known as a team that's been able to de- out develop much larger budget teams that's the team particularly in the at the start of the season absolutely yeah, yeah. I, and that's the team in my opinion in, from what I've seen so far in testing I mean we've still got to see more from some of the others but they're the ones that look more likely to challenge the top three if anyone from the midfield at this point in time but it's still a long way to go loads oh, of caveats way. we can oh, introduce way. and we do not know the real pecking order so that's what we've seen so far so moving on to Haas total number laps 316 they were the 10th overall, so they did the fewest laps. However, Roman Grosjean did 158 laps on Thursday alone. So a massive effort to Roman. And and of those, he did 206 overall. Um, and K-Mag did 110, which was the 20th. Unfortunately, the only driver that did fewer laps was him was Robert Kibitza, who was doing testing for Alfa Romeo. So not a good sign for him, but he was massively hindered by that accident on Friday. Roman Grosjean, 17th. Fastest, 1 minute 18.3 on the C3 tyres, the medium compound. 21st fastest for Kevin Magnussen, so he was slowest overall. But he was only less than a tenth slower than his teammate, 118.46 on the C3s. If there's a team that I can think of that really needs a good second test, more than anyone else, it's definitely Haas. Would you agree? 
absolutely, mate. I mean, Gunther Steiner has come out and said, despite the accident on Friday with Kevin Magnussen, which wasn't necessarily his fault, there was an issue with the puncture and obviously the rear suspension, which Ferrari have obviously testing an upgrade yeah. to help with that, which they'll obviously forward on to Haas if it's successful to combat this shit. So they've known about it for a while, so thankfully they're able to sort that. But he mentioned despite that, they had two very good days of running. And I think if you look at the overall timings, I can understand what he's kind of getting at because the 2019 Haas was not overly impressive. It was inconsistent. There were some it days... Showed, yeah. It showed. Always, it always showed early promises on Friday and maybe on the Saturday. And then come race day, the race pace was awful, wasn't Yeah, absolutely it? right, yeah. I mean, there were days when it was brilliantly fast in yeah. qualifying in the race. And there were other days, it would just fall down the order. Yeah. Literally, it would start but the no, race. But no explanation. Yeah. Like, they couldn't yeah. explain it, could it was, they, really? It would qualify well like the Ferrari. And maybe in part that had to do with the engine performance yeah. of the Ferrari. Yeah. But it just kept falling down the order on a Sunday. And obviously, both drivers had... We're no strangers to having on-track incidents. They're both very, very quick drivers, Roman and Kevin Magnussen. They've both been in very good cars, both shown lots of potential, but they've just got to keep it going and get it get it right. If they can do that and the people at Haas can get it right, hopefully that'll be enough to convince them to stay on the grid because they're not secure beyond 2020 at this point. So if they have a really bad season, Gene Haas may pull the plug on this project and no one wants to see that because there's not really anyone that can sign a step in and fix that for them no really. and there isn't really any sort of external interest to even take over is there no you know? no absolutely not there's not really anyone that can step in so it'd be an 18 no. car grid I would say the VF20 looks pretty fast in the final sector Grosjean at the wheel he looked pretty good unfortunately his crash as well on Thursday did take away time from Haas's scheduled running and obviously that was help, wasn't helped even more by Magnussen's problem they're, they're a team that I think a lot of focus will be on them given their relationship with Ferrari. And obviously when the Ferrari's not performing necessarily well, that translates to its sister teams, if you like. There's going to be a lot of focus on them. I worry for us that they may find themselves further down the order. Having said that, the midfield that is way. very compact. So you could have days where a driver puts in a great performance, one of their guys puts in a fantastic performance, which they're very well capable of, and they could be near the front, well in the points, or a day you, where they're do terrible. You, do you have faith in the ability of their drivers compared to other teams? Because I certainly don't. Um, in a word, uh, no. I, I'll, be, I'll be brutally honest. Um, no, not to write them off, but I just feel that they're very quick and they've shown pace, but it's consistency exactly. and being able to avoid incidents on a regular basis. And I feel in those two, in recent years, as much as I want them to do well, I feel like I've seen a f- more than my fair share of, of incidents that I could call upon to suggest that, that they're going to have a hard time to keep, maintain that pace and be consistent yeah. and regularly finish where they need to be. But hopefully they can find some answers to that in the second test and obviously try and build on their program because there's a lot to cover and they will have a lot they need to cover so moving on to AlphaTauri formerly Toro Rosso the my favourite livery this season still uh, still no, I'm, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still not getting over the noises you made over it last week I don't think most people are that listen to this as well <laughs> just to remind them, I go oh, no. that's a noise I never <laughs> hope I get to hear you Make ever again that, that, that haunted me when I was trying to sleep. It's funny because I've been having sleepless nights thinking about this livery. It's like, oh my god, marry me. That's the car poster I'm having up on my bedroom wall. That one. Ooh, let's not be putting an ultraviolet light on that poster, right? Eh? Oh god. 
Literally, we're, I think we're doing literally everything possible to get cancelled. <laughs> well, I didn't make any kind of concrete statement. I, I just, I, I left it there, and people can come to their own conclusion. <laughs> anyway, on to the yeah. Uh, so the Alpha Turi. So the number of laps they did three hundred eighty four. It was the fifth overall. Uh, Pierre Gasly did two hundred and six laps. So he, he was part of the two hundred club as well. So well done, Pierre. Uh, seventh most Good overall. Uh, fastest laps. Pierre Gasly was the eleventh fastest, one seventeen point seven eight. Uh, on the C2 tyres, second hardest. Daniel Kvyat, uh, seventh fastest, one minute 17.4, but it was on the C4, the second softest. So really, I mean, obviously we have caveats for fuel loads, but it would suggest that Pierre Gasly seemed to be outperforming his teammate in the first test. As we mentioned before, the AlphaTauri has got a lot of similarities to the Red Bull, uh, the RB15 from Red Bull in 2019, including the tight rear end and suspension components. Most notably, the multi-link style top wishbone that the Red Bull team introduced last season was very famous, and AlphaTauri definitely have that. They've developed their own version of that with the assistance from Red Bull, probably, and it looked good. I mean, both drivers they look really comfortable. With the ATO one, no really serious complaints. Although one one quite humorous uh, moment was. Uh, and Gasly will probably feel a bit red-faced over this, is that he did have a spin at Turn 9, very similar to an accident he had last season in the Tesla Red Bull. Thankfully, kept it out of the barriers. Suppressed so, memories. <laughs> probably getting those uh, specific type of flashbacks that we won't mention <laughs> when you see that kind of moment. As you, those of you who have seen memes like that and flashback memes and stuff like that, you'll probably know what we're talking about. But it, does, it looks like a solid midfield contender. I, I think it, it looks a pretty decent car. I don't think they'll have too many complaints on that one. Franz Tost. Yeah, you imagine it would be a solid, a solid midfield car, won't it? Yeah, I mean, Franz Tost is quite happy with it. The drivers seem not to have too many complaints. It's a good base to build on, so they're yeah. definitely in the fight. So we'll move on to Alfa Romeo now. So they were pretty good, actually. They did 424 laps. This was the team I was worried about that was going to have the biggest issues. I know you're sort of sitting there yawning away as we drag on, but we are... I don't feel they have much to offer. Apart from Kimi, I don't feel they have much to offer this fault, but... <laughs> I mean, it's going to be an interesting season for them. They did 424 laps, which is surprisingly the third most. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi put on a huge shift, did fourth most laps, 231 laps, whereas Kimi Raikkonen did 134, though he was hampered by some issues during his programme. And Robert Kubica did 59 laps. So the new Tesla Reserve driver, Robert Kubica, staying in Formula 1, although he is doing racing in DTM, did 59 laps. It's the fewest of anyone, although he was only doing the first morning, whereas Kimi Raikkonen took over. Kimi Raikkonen set the third fastest time on the softest compound, the C5s, so or 1 minute 17.0. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi was eighth fastest, or so 1 minute 17.4, which was on the C4 tyres. So around about similar times. And Robert Kubica did a 1 minute 18.3, which was 19th fastest on the medium tyres on Wednesday. So very little running, and the temperatures were not that great compared to Thursday-Friday running. So that's not a bad time for Robert Kubica on that compound of tyre as well. So he was fairly quick. The C39 seems to be a decent improvement on last year's C38. Last year's car, Kimi Raikkonen, whilst getting used to the brake-by-wire system, which he struggled with a bit of Ferrari, he kept complaining of difficulties in getting used to these brakes from last season. They were quite inconsistent. Having said that, the C39 seems like they've made improvements on that. Kimi's talked it up. He hasn't really complained about it too much, so that's good. Antonio Giovinazzi looked pretty strong too. Now, he's a guy that's going to need a good season, because towards yeah, the end of last yeah. season, he did up his performance... Scored some good points. However, the results did tend to flatter Alfa Romeo's performance as they were falling down the order, but that ultimately kept him in Formula 1. Yeah. Because um, I'm not going to lie, after that crash in Belgium on the last lap when he threw away some points, I thought 
the writing was on the wall. I thought he was done. But he's still around. That's good. Only Ham- he, he, needs to, he needs to be careful because Mick Schumacher will probably be. Well, I, I do feel Mick Schumacher is going to be in an Alfa Romeo next season. But it could well be for Kimmy. Kimmy. Because this uh, is the last year of his contract. So as sad as it will have to be, not even the Iceman is immortal in the Formula 1 world. So uh, enjoy oh, let's, let's, let's yeah. hope he goes in the punditry. Wouldn't that be oh, good that would be so... Uh, Kimmy, we need to get him on a podcast. Uh, Kimmy, can you imagine if they just like, said to Kimmy, so could you... Um, you give us like a good insight to how you reckon the race is going to play out today. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> some good, some bad. I'm not doing him justice here, but you know, it's like Kimmy. If you ever do listen to this, and if you do, what are you thinking? This must be better stuff, I'm surely. Uh, yeah, do calm down. We'd love to have you on this podcast, and you probably I'd probably take over and let you present it, mate. To be honest, it'd do a better job than me. See, um, see, look, you're putting yourself down. Why, why, why are you putting yourself down? We're all about positive vibes here. Exactly. It's like no negativity. Positive no negativity. That's it. Mr. Motivator. <laughs> yeah. What is he doing anyway? I've seen him do some promotional stuff, but... um, He was on... I, I don't know why I know this, but he was on Celebrity Coach Trip lately. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How would you have him sitting down all the time? He'd just be standing up doing jumping jacks. Like he'd, be, yeah, he'd, be doing, he'd be doing squats on the table. That's, I love the outfits, though. I mean, <laughs> fair play to him to rock that colour and be put down. Don't, don't, don't have any ideas. Don't if, if you start wearing that during the podcast, as I said last week, it'll be a solo podcast. I'll be out that door, mate. Oh, this is awkward because I just ordered some. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, well, sorry, we're off. We're off on a tangent again. So we're gonna go. So the last team we're gonna cover in this. So we're finally there, everyone. Williams. Williams. Yes. So massive shout out to Williams. I've got to say, I'm really happy for them that they've got the car out. All the bits were there on time. No logistic yeah. issues. George Russell, the first man out in testing, first car out. That must have been a big moment for Williams. They did 324 laps, which wasn't bad. Ninth most. They were hampered by problems. Nicholas Satifi had the uh, problem with his engine on Friday. Uh, the reliability is still a concern on that, but it, I mean, he had to pull over on the side of the road out of the pit straight. He just the engine just kind of cut out. It will leave him some catching up to do on their program for the second test, but they're in the mix. Performance-wise, they look they look good. They're uh, they're, they're definitely not struggling this season. They're not at the tail end. They will be fighting other cars other than themselves. I want to see what George Russell can do. He's definitely a big potential. There's a lot yeah. of potential in George Russell. Um, and he showed some really good pace. And it's a good point I want to make on this. He was 15th fastest overall. He did 1 minute 18.1 on the C3. Now, to put that into perspective, for those of you that remember the point I made earlier, he was actually two temps faster than the time Roman Grosjean set on the same tyre. And Roman Grosjean set this time, interestingly, on the Friday, whereas George Russell set it on the Wednesday. Now, the Friday, the track was rubbered in. The temperatures were a bit better. The, the track seemed to be better, so it was worth a couple more temps, perhaps. So that time from George Russell was actually pretty impressive. So Williams is definitely in there in the mix. Don't think they're going to be struggling. They are not, and that is great to see. And the team will be really happy to that, because considering the struggles they had last year, it could have gone one or two ways. It could have completely fell apart, or do what they actually did and just band together, and that's what George Russell yeah. did. They all come closer together, and he feels that it allowed him to build a better relationship with his team to work on that. So it's great to see. Nicholas Satifi, debut season Formula 1, is 18th fastest overall. He did a 1 minute 18.382 on I the C4 tyre. I think he'll be a driver, won't he? Well, he came runner-up in GP2 yeah. last year, Nicholas Satifi, and he's always shown pace. He's done some testing for Williams before. He's looked quick. He definitely looks ready to drive in Formula 1. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. He'd be a good teammate for George Russell, and he'd be a good place to kind of measure up against, because I feel like for both of them, mostly for George, in Robert Kubica, as good as Robert was... 
he was never really the driver he once was. No, and no, no, it was no. very difficult for him to jump in that car. As good a job as he did, but George always seemed to have the edge on him. So it'll be a good battle between him and Latifi, but they won't be battling amongst themselves. They will be battling the others, so that's great to see. They both reported that the FW43 showed greater responsiveness and confidence, um, despite being in evolution last year's fabled and flawed concept. So the FW42 seems to have been banished into the memory bank. So overall, it looks pretty good for them. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do in the second test and in the season ahead. And I think Williams are now finally, after their fall from grace from 2014, please, being please. at the front in and being on pole position um, at quite a few races and almost winning and coming second in the constructors in 2014, yeah. all the way down six, seven years later, trying to recover from the back. So it's going to be a great story for them. And they've done a great job, those guys. So massive shout-out to you guys at Williams. Fantastic job. And we hope you all continue to progress and move upwards. So let's hope for the best. Come on, Williams. So that is pretty much the first test. And we've covered the teams that have done well in the first test, those that need to do well in the second test. We're expecting lots of new parts to come in for a lot of the teams and more performance runs being done. So we get a real better understanding of the true pecking order. So with that in mind, after many weeks of badgering my colleague and co-host Courtney... We now have, wait for it, an Instagram page. Yes, we finally have an Instagram page, everyone. So for those of you that do want to follow us on Instagram, and why wouldn't you, it's the tag is dnf1 underscore podcast. All in one word, you will get the very best content that Courtney can be bothered to produce and get off his lazy ass and do. And interact with us, we'll have loads of memes. And well, what am I doing still in the spotlight? Courtney? This is your segment. You tell them about what we're going to be doing on the social media, what you're going to be doing. Well, so the aim is, um, well, one of the things that we'll be doing is trying to show off the finest memes that the F1 community has to offer. That, so That prime quality. Yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's what we're looking for. We're only looking for top standard meme. You know, which, that not just meme, like the MNS standard meme. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it has to be like, it has to be, it's either the best or nothing. Beautiful. Grazie, okay. ragazzi. So, 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 no pressure. Um, well, so if you come across any any good memes, feel free to DM the memes to us. We're also going to we're probably going to play with a new idea. Put it on our story yesterday. We're going to play with an idea of doing video previews, just to give you guys an idea of what we'll be talking about. And I will be I'll, I'll be doing we'll be doing some Q and A stuff so that we can um, use in our episodes. And also, I might be playing with. Um, you know, a few images that we could possibly put on our YouTube videos. Absolutely. That can, that can um, sort of feature in the episodes. So yeah, no, absolutely. I think when we're going to be talking about memes and obviously doing a bit of a meme review to borrow it from a few others that have done this in the past. The benefit of watching our podcast on YouTube, as much as we want you to really enjoy it on, uh, as I said, the podcast channels and platforms that you prefer, we're obviously going to include images of some of these memes we're going to be discussing on these segments just to give you a bit more of a visual idea of what we're talking about and obviously everyone loves a meme these days i mean of course who invented memes anyway easy viewing aren't they yeah i mean like who invented memes whoever did aren't interested anymore because they're too mainstream no i think think (laughs) someone is yeah probably be a meme about that they're like meh yeah they're they're just in hiding somewhere now well whoever you are sir or madam i salute you thank you very much for unleashing a plague on this world that we've all just seemed to take in our stride we've embraced them we have yeah we've just taken it in our stride and Makes the world a better place. Online. I suppose it's better than abusing each other. 
Yeah, no, much better. Much, much oh, yeah. more condone that than abusing each other. Remember, be yeah. kind. Be kind. Yes, we have yeah. to support that. You know, mental health is very important, and uh, yeah, I definitely have to. That's a good. That's a good way to end this episode, I think. So, yeah. Um, yeah so, thank you for bearing with us. Apologies that this is a little bit long, but they will be sh- a little bit shorter that's in the future. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat that. <sighs> and uh, yes, we will be aiming to post weekly as normal. Uh, we stuck to our schedule this time, so we will look out for you on the next DNF1 podcast where we will be covering the second test and obviously trying to get a greater understanding as to the real pecking order for the championship going forward. So with that in mind, have a great week, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll see you on the next one. Goodbye. Adios. Adios. Network.